The following program is intended for mature audiences. Greetings, Flesh Wound After Dark fans, and welcome to another episode of our Emmanuel, Black Emmanuel series. I am Flesh Wound Dan, joined by producer Todd. Good evening. And our special guest, Max Ammo. How's it going, Max? It's a pleasure to be here. It's going very well. Thank you. Yes, yes. So, uh, tonight, it's after dark. It could just as easily be... Uh, flesh wound horror though because you get a very healthy mix of the horrific and the erotic in uh, these two movies Uh, actually they're pretty equal which I guess we'll talk about they're both pretty nasty Uh, uh, and with that being said we can get right into it uh, because uh, I'm really eager to talk about these movies and our first one from director Joe D'Amato, 1977's Emmanuel Around the World. And this film follows famous undercover undercover journalist Emmanuel teams with her friend Cora Norman to uncover a white slave ring that traffics in women kidnapped from various locales around the world. Her investigations leave plenty of Leaves plenty of time, however, for globe trotting and bed hopping. As each lead turns up bad, Emmanuel begins to wonder if she can ever put an end to this this horrible slavery ring. All right, Emmanuel around the world. Uh, so, uh, this one, if you're a fan of triple X cinema, triple X golden era cinema, uh, it is the famous adult film actor Paul Thomas who plays uh, the truck driver at the beginning that uh, Emmanuel performs with. I thought that was uh, pretty funny. And at this time, of course, a lot of those actors made the mainstream rounds. I think uh, Paul Thomas got his start in Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. And immediately just went into hardcore adult film, uh, (laughs) which is just hilarious. It's like, that's that, that one, it's like Jesus Christ superstar. Then, uh, you know, lesbian cheerleaders, 27. It's just like a sharp right turn. Uh, Jim Cazell had done that after the (laughs) Christ. Man. He'd probably have a better career. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, Jim Caviezel doing hardcore (laughs) porn. (laughs) I don't think Mel would approve of that, though. I don't think Mel would approve, no. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so this one is pretty wild stuff. It's got a great cast. Uh, Ivan Rasimov is uh, Dr. Malcolm Robertson. um, And... We also get George Eastman. George is, Eastman is a guru. That for me, that for me is a George Eastman fan. That was just made the movie uh, worthwhile just for that alone. <laughs> you know, George Eastman is, is the guru. Was fantastic. He, he was. Yeah, he's overseeing 
this uh, this orgy, and then the line is to orgasm means to die, and uh, of course uh, Emmanuel causes one of his uh, pupils to prematurely ejaculate, which uh, he was not too pleased about. Uh, this is this one's really entertaining because it's a really nasty movie, particularly as you get towards the tail end of the film. Uh, but it's also really funny. Uh, this one kind of puts you through the motions. I mean, uh, you've got a, a dog assaulting a girl. <laughs> you've got uh, some twice. really... Twice. Twice, <laughs> twice yes. Yeah. Uh, Chang, the, the villain there, one of the villains, uh, was like, Ugh, this is uh, this is pretty wild. Um and of course, you have uh, the deformed villain played by Craig Hill, uh, who is—it's oh man, it's so offensive <laughs> uh, for a lot of people going into this one now. I can imagine what they think because, like, the assault scene always ends with them enjoying it, which uh, now is like, wow, I know that's not going to yeah, go that well. Irreversible, irreversible would have been a much different movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, irreversible by Joe Donato. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Max, what do you think of this one? It's incredibly entertaining, and uh... I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I thought it was a little tamer than uh, a manual in America in terms of the. It didn't have the same graphic gore um a man in america had you know but no i liked it and because it shifted locations frequently kept it moving and you know just the uh the not that it is nasty there's no doubt about that and just bizarre it's just that's what i find so fascinating about these movies like her um i you know her journalist friend gets gang by the guys they come around her apartment and gang her and then she tells Emmanuel, she's like, oh, yeah, they came in there. Just so yeah. casual about it. Oh, yeah, they came in there. That's bastards. You know, like, like. It, it is. And it, it's, there's the scene with, like, it, it goes from this extreme nastiness to comedy. Like, when Emmanuel's in the closet and they're watching the, I think it was supposed to be his stepmom and the maid, if I remember right. And yeah. then, of course, she still has sex with him in the closet, so he's not that broken up about the, the mom. Oh, that's something that really <laughs> struck me. Right at the beginning, after she gets out of a truck and she goes into the hotel, she's so fucking rude to the receptionist. You remember, yeah. she goes into the hotel, there's like a line of people all waiting. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh you, hey, come <laughs> in. It's like the motto toyed with just, I'm going to make you a bitch in this movie, but now nah, then I changed my mind. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is a good, I mean, you can really, if you haven't figured it out already for people that haven't watched these movies yet, you can jump in at any point. This might be a good entry point for some people. Cause I feel like it, it, if you're just into what the fuck kind of movies, I mean, uh, I mean, we have a scene where milk is poured on this girl's vagina and then a snake yes. is inserted. Yeah, um, I'm really sure that it's not true. The guy goes, reptiles find milk irresistible. Like, I have a few yeah. friends who keep 
I've never heard this. That you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I'm, <laughs> you know. yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, just I'm pretty sure know. that's not a zoological fact. I'm pretty sure that's just Joe D'Amato needed the reason for the snake to. This yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, put a rat in there or something. Richard Gearer or something. I don't know. Something to make that work. But, uh, but hey, it it still happens. Uh, Chang is not in it very long, but good lord, what an evil uh, prick uh, Chang is. He seems to be having a blast in this movie. It is just. Again, they don't make them like this anymore. You can't. And this is like maybe the ultimate time capsule when it comes to this franchise. Because it, it, is, it, it is. I was also going to mention it's beautifully shot, which is what makes these movies interesting. Is even though they're sleazy and, you know, ridiculous, it, they're really, the cinematography is absolutely fucking great. I mean, it really is beautifully shot. See, I mean, especially the scenes in San Francisco, I was thinking, wow, it's a really nice cinematography, especially as they probably did not have permission to shoot. So they were probably like, setting stuff up and looking out for the police while they were shooting it, you know, and still they've got these great shots. They did, they did. And of course, Karen Schubert's also. Uh, in this, and she's another one. She was kind of uh, becoming a legit star, but she was one of the first mainstream actresses that did turn to hardcore in the 80s. Uh, several did, but she was, I think, one of, if not the first to uh, to do that. And um, yeah, there was something about this one. It just hits a lot of chords. Uh, there's some as you go along, some people may be a little bit bored because they're just more on the erotic side but i think this gives you a little bit of everything in fact yeah todd i gotta ask you is this one of your favorites because i would kind of put this near the top of what yeah my my three favorite are are the the trilogy we have of america around the world and well the one we have coming up next yeah yeah i mean because i mean those there's no way you can argue about it those three are like follow-ups they go in order like all the other ones, like you can kind of jump around, but those like feel like a trilogy, and you kind of gotta. There is continuity. I noticed the same actor plays the uh, her newspaper editor in all the movies. Yeah, it's the same guy playing the the uh, editor. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny with some of these films. It's like at some point, it's like they kind of run out of plot, then it just ends. Because you mentioned <laughs> the scene towards the end where the bombs, like, are assaulting uh, assaulting her at, like, gunpoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, okay, I got the evidence I need. Roll credits. <laughs> like, it's it's a very... It's, She's it's so a- happy about the banging the fishing crew at the end, it's including the captain. He's like, old, oh, he's like, old, old guy. The ship's captain at the end when she's just going to do the whole crew. Remember, they say, well, you know, the prices for a ticket to LA, and she just opens her, clothes, her jacket up and goes, I could pay it. And they're all closing in on her as well, you know, like, man, all closing in on her. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that. Uh, that was Emmanuel in the white slave trade. Uh, the ending to that one, I believe. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's hard to keep them together, though. I oh, guess. yeah. Watched them all over the last two days, sir. So. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> they, 
but we will be talking that one, uh, which is also really good. But uh, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Yeah, this one was literally the, a very similar ending, though. Because, uh, again, it's just the bums, then I got my evidence, roll credits. You don't even really get to see comeuppance for the villains so much because it's just like uh, yep yeah, it, it was uh, also a different time i mean and the way these movies were watched it because you know you just went this is still the era you went to the theater you didn't have the times like you know it was still yeah. kind of a free-for-all yeah so and people would just stay for get their pleasure and move on so that's why i felt like a lot of these were like segmented so like okay i can go now <laughs> yeah yeah you got you know Watch the hot le- lesbians and stay for the b. You know, it's just you know, we'll give you a little bit of everything. No, but second scene was very uh, graphic. For yeah. but I actually had a face. I've never seen a because uh, I've seen through so, <laughs> watch a lot of these movies. I've seen quite a lot of simulated. Yeah. It's it's it just happens like Bruno Matai's SS girls and uh, a lot of it, but in this, in that one, they actually have a fake penis, yeah, like which I've never seen before. Then go as far as to actually have the fake penis to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little more graphic than it normally is, you know. Yeah, it's like spot. We're gonna have to take a cast uh, of your. Uh... There to stay yeah. still. <laughs> we'll put the you know animal planet on, keep you busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- this is just a must see cult movie. Again, if you're keeping track here, you can jump in. Uh, this one's near the top of my list too, just because it hits everything you need from the erotic to the gruesome to quite, quite frankly, hilarious. Uh, as long as you're not easily offended. And if you were, I don't know why you'd be watching our show. (laughs) Assume you're not. Uh, So uh, just to run down the extras on this one real quick, we get uh, around the world with Emmanuel, uh, which Stephen Thrower, the great uh, film scholar writes, it clocks in at 31 minutes. And uh, this one talks about the cut UK version confession of Emmanuel, which I have not watched that version in a long, long time, but I can imagine it's like 10 minutes, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, he does discuss, once again, uh, male and female screenwriters on this one, which you would never, never guess uh, that a, a female would write this, but uh, that is not the case. Uh, talks a little bit about the mix of sex and sadism in this film, and... Uh, it's a, as always, Stephen Thrower, great piece. Um, there is also a 14-minute segment. I'm not a guru. Uh, actor Luigi Montefiore. Uh, fun little, uh, uh, fun little piece. They talk a little bit about his first project with Joe D'Amato, which was actually a western, uh, Cormac of the Mounties. Uh, which is one you can uh, track down. It's pretty good. Well, I haven't seen that. I've never yeah. seen that. There's a lot of alt titles for that one, I believe. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure somebody put out a Blu-ray. I'd have to double check. But uh, yeah, Cormac of the Mounties. Uh, there's also The Beautiful One, an interview with actor Gianni Macchia that runs 14 minutes. 
this is kind of a career piece. He talks about D'Amato, some of the films he did with Fernando DeLeo, uh, and uh, also... Uh, he's a great director. He made some great uh, cult movies, you know. Yeah, Fernando DeLeo is definitely at the top of the list for Italian directors in general, uh, across genres. And uh, he, he talks a little bit about his breakout role in A Woman on Fire and uh, how funny Joe D'Amato was on set, which is kind of a theme in a lot of these. I'd say the highlight as far as extras on this movie is a uh, mini doc called A Tribute to Karen Schubert. Uh, it runs 19 minutes and it kind of talks about her nearly becoming a legit star, kind of being on the verge of that for a little while. Uh, and then being one of the first mainstream actresses, as I said, that turned to adult films in the 80s. Uh, Really, really good. Uh, talks about the advent of video, killing her career, essentially, and uh, some of her failed attempts at comebacks, working with Rocco Sifredi and John Holmes. Uh, nice piece. They couldn't get Karen Schubert, who is still alive, to appear, but they say she's happy and healthy uh, in Rome. So good to have a happy ending to that one because it's kind of a sad story somewhat yeah. Yeah. so Emmanuel around the world what do you gentlemen rate this one this is a high one for me um, I'm I'm four and a half I'm like almost at a five I mean you might sway me before we're to the end but um, how about you Max if I gave uh, uh, Emmanuel in America like four and a half, I would give this one a four. Just just underneath Emmanuel in America because I'm a horror fan. And, you know, the Eman I was blown away by the, uh, the level of horror in Emmanuel in America. Yeah. But this one so much to enjoy. Like George East if you're a George Eastman fan, which you should be, I mean, it's, it's just fantastic whatever he does. He's the guru. He was... Uh, just great, you know. He was uh, really just very entertaining uh, guy. He could play all sorts of different things. And uh, I first saw, saw him in Rabbit Dog, which I believe is his first movie, Rabbit Dogs, and that that movie just blew me away the first time I saw it. He him in that movie, he's so you know just evil and sleazy and machismo and just great. Yeah, you, you know, can't beat George Eastman. Uh, he's, one, he's one of the legends I would love to really meet because he is still alive. He's in his late 70s or 80s. But, I, I mean, out of all of the guys who are still alive, him and uh, Massimo Vanni, those are two of the guys I would just love to meet. You know, because, I mean, I know him from all the post-apocalyptic too. When he's the one in uh, The New Barbarians, I, that's my favorite role of his. He's the one. He's one of his deeper roles. Because there's the one scene in that movie where he was relaxing, smoking a joint. Yeah. In New Barbarians and listening to music. And it's like really strange compared to his character the rest of the time. It's crazy. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking it. I'm taking it. Yeah, that, that mm. character is just something else. I mean, he rips the hero, which I just, you never see in a Hollywood action movie. I mean, he gets scorpion and literally ties him up and <laughs> yeah, it, it, you can just go down. 
anything about nobody says anything about it again. Fred Williamson helps him up on exchange and look like we'll never speak of this again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you can just go down his IMDb and it's all worth watching. He always put in yeah. a great performance. And honestly, this movie for me is a five. Uh, if you're going through our reviews on this, Obviously, I recommend them all, but I would specifically recommend this even if you're not big into, you know, sexploitation. Uh, there's still a lot to like here. There really is. It's funny. It's gory. It's nasty. It, it, it hits pretty perfect on all those fronts. So See, and everything you just said is exactly what I described about our, our last one in America, too. Yeah, and... Uh, we still Which have is... a lot of gore and sleaze to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. So our next film, which is probably uh, by far the best known, is at least as far as the horror community is concerned, and that is also from 1977, uh, director Joe D'Amato's Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Mm -hmm. And in the... In this film, while doing undercover work in a mental hospital, Emmanuel <laughs> discovers a girl who seems to have been raised by a tribe of Amazonian cannibals. Intrigued, Emmanuel and friends travel deep into the Amazon jungle, where they find that the supposedly extinct tribe of cannibals are very much alive, and Emmanuel and her party are not welcome visitors in their jungle. Uh, so, what did you think of this one, Max? Well, this this one is the one that I've seen the most times. I think, I mean, I've seen the movie many times. Uh, I can honestly say it's in my top ten favorite grindhouse movies of all time. I, I mean, I, I just absolutely fucking love this movie. It's it's so unique in the blend of horror and and, and, and erotica. You know, I mean, even compared to the other ones, because it's so much more horror and it's just so batshit crazy. I mean, you know, like at the beginning when she's in the mental hospital and she just flips the girl who's tied to the bed, the savage girl, and just starts playing with her while she's asking her questions. And the girl's tied to a bed. She can't do anything about it. It's like literally sexually to her, right? Then she yeah. takes photos of her while she pulled her skirt up. And then... What I love is the hypocrisy when she's talking to her editor a little bit later. The editor goes, oh, the nurse will be okay, but she's going to lose her breast. And Amanda goes, well, she was a a known homosexual who was forcing herself on the cannibal girl. Yeah, I she does the same I, thing. I just, like, said <laughs> myself. <laughs> I mean, it's just so... Um, it's just, it's just funny because it's written by a man, you know, Emmanuel, Emmanuel does give a little bit of kind of feminist, you know, she's made a bit, a bit of a feminist, but she's not. She's like a total predator, total predator. <laughs> she's quite evil. In fact, one of the things I forgot to say, which just cracked me up in Emmanuel in America is if you remember when she takes the photos of the women being tortured, right? The doctor yeah. tells her she's hallucinating, so she believes she's hallucinating, and all the photos are, are rubbish. Uh, uh, you know, they, she doesn't have any evidence. Then when she finds out it's all real, she's like, oh, yeah, I can't believe it. It's amazing. My photos are real. This is fantastic. Despite the fact that means that she's just literally really seen a woman being tortured to death as opposed yeah. to 
and she's so happy about it. No point is to say, "Oh, those poor women are like fucking up." The story, I've got the story. This is amazing. She's kissing people on the cheek, and just that's it. It's just funny, you know. Like her moral compasses just spins. Uh, it, yeah, and this is obviously, as you would expect, the goriest of the Emmanuel, the black Emmanuel. Well, of the other Emmanuel films, too. I don't think a nun was ever, ever had her titty cut off in the Sylvia Crystal movies. No, no, it's very, very I'm aware. aware. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this one's wonderful. Donald O'Brien. Is you know it's actually it, it, I don't know if this is a coincidence, but Don, for a start, uh the setup of Emmanuel Lost Cannibals is very similar to the setup of Dr. Butcher MD with the symbol on the girl. And Donald O'Brien is in both those movies. And if you actually watch Doctor Butcher MD, they use a big portion of the Emmanuel soundtrack on that. Yeah. They actually use the same music from on both movies. Yeah, uh, Severin just announced a 4K of Dr. Butcher MD, actually. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Very excited like about. It's a great movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this one has a lot going on as well. It's a cannibal film, of course. It's an erotic film. Uh, I guess we can also put it in the non-sploitation genre as well. Uh, we've got the great Nico Fidenko score, uh, which he always... Hits a I love run. The, I love the score. Yeah, yeah, he, he's uh, amazing. Um, and uh, we also get the beautiful Monica Zanchi in this one, uh, who I'll talk about a little bit more in a, in a little bit. But uh, uh, she was also a fixture in these movies for a little bit. Uh, very attractive. Uh, there's that hilarious scene where she's just frolicking with Emmanuel in the ocean while this random chimpanzee starts yeah, like, chimpanzee, smoking chimpanzee. yeah just smoking watching them stealing their shit uh uh these these movies were always a little bit random once again because this one definitely like slows down to where it's like ah we're not ready for you to be disemboweled yet so let's just throw a chimpanzee in here and <laughs> give them something to keep them busy it has a great uh, climax as well. I, I really like the climax when she pretends to be the goddess and, and that whole thing. That's actually, it's really clever and it's shot really well. And I mean, it actually has genuine intention. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a very, it's a, despite the sleaze, it's very coherent for Joe D'Amato film, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the ending is very round and coherent, like a real movie ending, you know? It's not all Joe D'Amato's films end quite as tightly, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it's once the horror kicked in, kicks in, it's very much a horror movie. I mean, uh, the nun uh, being murdered is insanely graphic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, her teeth being cut off, uh, disemboweled, decapitated. Like it's it's like oh wow. Like I can imagine uh, people that discovered this at first on Cinemax back in the day. It's like, <laughs> man, this is a little bit more than I was expecting on the uh, violence front. The goal looked worse when you used to see it on VHS rips. The goal looked more gory because of the poor quality picture. You couldn't see the, uh, you know, like the effects as much. Like I saw Doctor Butcher MD on a copy of a copy of a copy because it was banned <laughs> on the UK and it looked like a fucking snuff movie. 
Like yeah. his guy, it literally looked like a snuff movie because the pitch is so bad anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one, uh, it, it looks great on Blu-ray. Uh, you know, of course, the uh, uh, Donald getting split in half by the ropes. And uh, yeah, this, this one's... Uh, this one's brutal. I mean, if you are a cannibal fan and have maybe skipped it because you thought, oh, Manuel, this is just softcore stuff, uh, don't sleep on it. It gets just as nasty as a lot of those cannibal films. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite cannibal films. Oh, out of the, you know, the big ones, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, it's a great horror movie. It is, and uh, not really heavy on the animal cruelty, though. Which might be a plot. No, any animal cruelty in it, unless they really shoot that snake in the head, which they possibly do. But uh, by yeah. by cannibal movies, it's certainly like probably the least, apart from Cannibal Apocalypse, which is animal cruelty free. Yeah. But uh, certainly compared to the, um, you know, Ferox, Holocaust, and even the Mountain of the Cannibal God has some. A little the Serge Martino one that has some kind of animal cruelty, and I can't remember what it is, but there's some animal getting shot. In the credits, I know that's the one where you can see them very obviously overlaying whatever they're using to try to poke the animal to make him fight the <laughs> other one. It's like a bad tree branch over a hand. <laughs> <And they'll laughs> it. It's pretty, hey, pretty funny. That that chimp developed a very crippling nicotine addiction after this. He looked like he had it before. He looked like he does what his cigarettes smoke that chimp. He was smoking for a while, you know. I would have liked an interview with the chimp on the, uh, <laughs> the features personally, but we don't get it, unfortunately. I was. I heard one of the DVD extras was a Donald O'Brien, uh, something about Donald O'Brien. Yes, uh, he of course had, had passed away a while ago, but uh, yeah, Dr. Brian MD, uh, 20 minutes. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. It's not specifically about any one movie, but uh, talks about his dad fighting in World War One and traveling wow. the world. It, it's a very old one, it's something that a fan or something must have put together because he's just in a pub just telling stories. Uh, Pretty cool stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you had mentioned the ending of the film, which I do think is one of the more clever endings because a lot of these just kind of like, okay, roll credits. She got the evidence, and we'll just assume everybody got arrested. Uh, I thought that really held up. He was definitely trying to make uh, more of a horror film, and uh, I think I it works. I think they're playing for a different audience in this one. I I think yeah. the fact that they are playing for a horror audience, they needed that that story to kind of wrap up better than you would on just off to the next yeah. town to you know do whatever get gang. I mean, since it's missing <laughs> that, it, it does feel like yeah, it, it's a little different than the rest just for that reason. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I can run down. The extras on this one as well, which it has a 27-minute documentary, The World of Nico Fandenko, of course, was the composer. Uh, really, really cool. They talk a little bit about his singing career, uh, how he got uh, started. Uh, he was a legend. I mean, he was out selling big, big names at the time, and he talks about some of the soundtracks that he had the pleasure of working on through his RCA uh, connections and uh, 
and also spoke uh, very kindly of Joe D'Amato. He kind of hints at maybe not being able to do the score for some of his later uh, adult work, which I thought was kind of funny. But really good, well worth listening to uh, because Nico Fidenko is a legend and uh, it's, it's wild to see what he's worked on. Uh, we also get a nun among the cannibals interview with actress Anna Maria Clementi that runs 22 minutes. Uh, she's still gorgeous. She looks great. It looks like a newer interview. Uh, she talks about she didn't have a lot of starring roles, but she does talk about a starring role she had playing Lorna in Joe D'Amato's very sleazy 1979 film. Uh, the Pleasure Shop on 7th Avenue, which I know is also known as uh, Porno on 7th Street. Uh, and she talks a little bit about that. The uh, locations for Last Cannibals, where they shot in uh, Fogliano, uh, which uh, is not a jungle. They didn't shoot this in the Amazon, but uh, talks about how it doubled pretty well. And she also seemed to be a little bit scarred from her disembowelment uh, scene and how she's kind of blocked it from her memory. Uh, she talks about having her breast mold made. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely uh, somebody who I think would rather, maybe doesn't look too fondly on this movie, but she at least had a sense of humor about it. She's actually currently a casting agent. So she's still in the industry. Uh, and she has a good story about uh, meeting Robert De, Mir- De Niro in New York City while shooting uh, Pleasure Shop on 7th Avenue, uh, which was pretty funny and pretty cool. Uh, so what else do we have? We have the Donald O'Brien piece. Uh, we also have uh, From Switzerland to Mato Brasso, an interview with actress Monica Zanchi, which runs 19 Minutes. And uh, this is a pretty cool mini doc as well. She talks about uh, her, her upbringing in Switzerland and moving to Italy pretty early on in her life, hitchhiking all over Europe for five years, and uh, lots of crazy stories. Uh, she's a wild, was a wild lady back in her time, uh, sneaking into hotels. She talks about having a fling with Franco Nero. And uh, this was this one was a lot of a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun. And our last extra for this specific movie, "Dressed to Eat," an interview with costume designer Silvana Scandariato that runs eighteen minutes. And uh, this is a this is another uh, good one. Uh, uh, talks about her long term uh, work with. Joe D'Amato and uh, all the penny pinching and having to lend her own clothes sometimes to actresses to to make it work. Uh, and that closes out the extras. If you guys haven't noticed... I oh, do want to point out, that is a new extra specifically for the, this disc. Because if, you know, those do yeah. know, and if you already own the other uh, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals that Seven put out, everything was ported over there is one feature missing from this, but it's actually on disc one. The audio interview with Laura Gemser is on, on the black first disc in the set. But so everything's been ported over from the old Blu-ray, just so you guys know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so 
Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. What do you guys rate? Uh, oh, and I should also throw out there uh, Stephen Thrower commentary as well uh, on on this one, uh, which uh, he's probably as good as they come when it comes to commentaries about this. He talks some of the New York-based Italian uh, horror films, which, of course, there were a lot of great ones. Talks Joe D'Amato doing sometimes six films a year under different names. And uh, uh, his debut film, which was, uh, again, oh, several oh, different names. Huh? I thought uh, Joe D'Amato's debut was Death Smiles on the Murderer. That's a great film. And he does talk about that because that one was so good. Uh, Joe D'Amato used his real right. name. Uh, uh, that's... He was so proud of Death Smiles on a Murderer with Klaus Kinski that yeah. he used his real name, which was almost unheard of. Uh, I don't think Joe D'Amato was ashamed of anything he did by any means. But, but was it not his first movie, Death Smiles on a Murderer? I thought that was his it, first. His very first movie was actually uh, Step Aside Trinity Comes to El Dorado, a spaghetti western. I have uh, It's seen. really yeah, it's really confusing because with these Italian movies, they were churning them out so fast. Sorry, uh, like with the Emmanuel films, yeah, they were just off. Like the Emmanuel films on IMDb are not really in order, which is tough because some of them were coming out the same year. So it was like, well, because you know, IMDb lists by order, then if they're the same year, it lists alphabetical. Yeah, and right. if they had a VHS release it, in X area and maybe one they made before it didn't come out until two years later yeah so there's a lot of confusion there i do believe uh this blu-ray set at least so far kind of keeps them in order or at least they try to they have been um, thus far yeah yeah I mean, you can argue so, uh yeah this is a don't matter to the timeline but we'll get to this Oh, definitely. Um, and they talk a little bit about Joe D'Amato's Decamerotic films. Uh, it's a really good commentary, and I highly recommend it. Uh, now, the movie, uh, what do we rate the movie, gentlemen? I mean, that's easy. I'm a five on this one. Yeah, yeah I'm five, five, five out of five. I, I, I would say it's one of the most underrated cannibal movies of all time. Horror fans really should check it out. It's it's absolutely a fucking blast. You know what was what was yeah. the uh, what I'm was five the, as well. Right, I I figure what was the uh, American VHS time? I know it had a, a non Emmanuel name and I can't think of it. Um Oh boy, it's hard to remember all of these because yeah. there were so many. Okay. It's been Emmanuel in the last Cannibals for a while for me. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like Make Them yeah. Die. It was something really simple. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if you. Well, yeah. Yeah, they probably tried to piggyback. Make, make them, them die, die slowly. for Cannibal Ferox. Yeah, it was close to that too. Yeah, I think they tried to piggyback that even though that came out later obviously but um yeah i think i you're yeah i can't think of it there's so many but uh emmanuel and the last cannibals is where you'll find it now for the most part um and i you know what this is a totally different movie but it's a good double feature if you want two non-traditional cannibal movies with uh, massacre and dinosaur valley which is a little bit more of an advent 
a little more of an adventure based one, not as gruesome, but it two was, fun movies that I feel like a lot didn't watch. It was yeah. trap them and kill them. That's what trap, I was uh, close. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, you might still find it under that title. Emmanuel and uh, the Last Cannibals. Yeah. That that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So guys. We hope you're enjoying these reviews. We will be back. A very different episode next time because we're going to kind of get into the Mondo films. The Mondo. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, which uh, Manuel has always kind of had uh, uh, something in common with the Mondo, but they go full Mondo. And we hope to see you guys back next time. Yes. All right. So on that, on that note... See you later. Good night. Good night. Good night.